We love the stories of the past, but the reality is, is we're living in the fruit now of the roots that were growing in the past. Because fruit is just a byproduct of great root systems. Trees that produce great fruit have great root systems. And I think that the problem that we can have sometimes in life is that we become so fruit-focused that we lose sight that it's about the roots. And so this is why we're doing the series, because I believe that if we focused on growing great root systems in our lives, and when I say root systems, I'll explain it to you shortly, but when we start to grow deep in our relationship with God and we put our roots down deep, then the dreams that we have, the desires that we have, just automatically become a byproduct of that. That's why it says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. It's basically saying if you get your roots down deep, and you make God first, and you live in His ways, and walk in His ways, then all the stuff that you've dreamed of will automatically become part of your life because your root system is right. Is that good or what? But the problem is, None of us really like the process of roots being grown. Yes? Because it requires patience and all sorts of things. But I believe that you can thrive in the period that your roots have been growing. And uh, I want to show you this morning that you can do that, that, that you can thrive in the middle of it. And when I mean thriving and growing your roots down, down deep, I mean this, growing in your wisdom. Yeah? Hello? All right. You know what it says about Jesus? It says that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and in favor with men. What's that? That's root systems. That's character development. The wisdom that you have today, I guarantee there's a whole lot of adults here today that wish that you knew when you were 18 what you know now. Come on. Why? Because we grow in our wisdom. Because our roots go down there and we make some stupid mistakes and learn from them. Yes? It's the only way to learn. But I believe that you can thrive in your wisdom growing. You can thrive in your character growing. You can thrive in your faith growing. And the only way to grow faith is by faith being tested. You see, everyone goes around and says, I have faith, but you don't really know you have faith until it's tested. Here's the thing. You don't know that you'll have faith for that situation until you're in that situation. And so I, I, I find, I meet people, I do it myself. I've got faith for this until it doesn't quite go the way that I intend it to. And then all of a sudden the faith diminishes rather rapidly. And we've all had that experience. But what is it? It's God trying to get us to get our roots down a little bit deeper. It's not that he's trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us because he understands great root systems create great fruit systems. Are you with me this morning? And so growing in this thriving period is not always comfortable. Growth is not that comfortable, is it? Ask any woman that's ever been pregnant in their lives, and they'll tell you that at the start it's all exciting and it's fantastic because I'm pregnant, but by the end, the growth ain't so comfortable, is it? It's pushing on the bladder, it's doing this, it's doing that, it's just get out! You know, like growth is not necessarily comfortable but the thing is once we get through the growth it becomes exhilarating and it becomes rewarding when we see the outcomes of the growth and so when we understand that 
we can look at this process where our character is developed, our faith is developed, our wisdom is developed, and rather than finding it a painful experience, we can actually look at it with a different mindset and go, this is great, this is awesome, because I know my root system through all of this is thriving right now, and because my roots are thriving, the fruit's going to be amazing. Listen to this, this is what Paul says, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, he says this, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how not to have a lot. I know how to be in poverty. And I know how to abound. In other words, have a whole heap of stuff. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me put that scripture for you in the correct context because most people quote that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, meaning that whatever it is that they have set in their hearts, they can do. But this scripture is actually, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in any season I'm in. In other words, I have learned. Paul says, I have learned the ability to thrive in lack and thrive in abundance. I have learned the ability to thrive in my root systems so I can thrive in the fruit season. It doesn't matter which season I'm in, I have got the ability, or I've learned the ability to draw on the strength of Him so that I thrive whether I be in little or whether I be in much. That's the context of the Scripture. It's really speaking to us about our character being developed and there are times when your character has been developed and you feel like you're on top of the world and then there are times where your character has been developed and you hate every moment of it. I do. I know I do. You know, you have those moments where, you know, God's doing something in you and it's like, you know, you don't really like it that much. But Paul's saying what I've learned in those moments is I've learned how to thrive in that by drawing on his strength and understanding that I can thrive in this environment. As uncomfortable as it is, as awkward as it is, I can thrive in this because he understood that God uses every season to bring about his purposes. Are you with me this morning? So what happens in life is that when we start to go through the process where God is trying to develop stuff in us, the enemy works overtime to get us to quit. He doesn't want your roots to go down deep. He doesn't want you to thrive in that process because he understands that at the end of the roots thriving, so the fruit starts to produce. And he is worried about the fruit that you'll produce in your life because the fruit you produce in your life will not only help you, but it'll help your family, it'll help your school, it'll help your workplace, it'll help your community. He's concerned that the fruit that you produce will allow people to pluck that fruit off your life and taste and see that the Lord is good. And so he wants to distract you. He wants you to quit. He wants you to give up. He wants you to rip out the root system early before it's really got itself down deep. And I want to give you four things that he does to distract us from growing our root system. The first thing is, is he will get you to wish you were in somebody else's process. 
Come on, how many times have we all done this? I wish my life was like their life. Come on. I wish I had the money they had. I wish I had the husband that they've got. I wish my kids were like their kids. Yeah? So what he does is he tries to get you distracted from the process that God is taking you through by looking at everybody else's and wishing you could have theirs. Wishing that you could be what they're doing. The next thing is he'll get you to resist the lesson that God is trying to teach you in your circumstances. In every situation you go through in life, especially when it's a tough situation, you have to ask yourself, not what is happening to me, but what is happening in me? What is God trying to do in me so that he can do something through me? And what the enemy will do is he'll try to get you to resist it. He'll try to get you to say, you don't need to change. How dare, how dare Craig get up on Sunday and tell you how you should live your life? Look at his life. He, it's not like he's doing it. And he'll try to get you to resist what God is trying to do. He'll try to get you to fight the lesson. How many, we got parents here this morning and I know you've had situations with your children where you're trying to teach them something and they resist. Because, of course, they know more than you. Number three, he will try to get you to rush the process. Rush it. You know, just cut corners, just try and get through this. Don't, don't rush what God's trying to do in your life. As painful as it may be, don't rush it. Don't rush it. The Bible says this, that he, he is faithful that the work he begun in you, he will complete in you. You have to let him complete what he's trying to do in you because when you understand, man, he's growing my roots now. I'm thrive. I'm going to thrive in this so that when I get through this, my fruit is just awesome. Don't rush it. And the last one is, He'll try to get you to skip steps in the process. You know, we, we would all love to go from zero to hero, wouldn't we? Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'd love to go from a no-clue dad to the most amazing dad on the face of the planet. I'm pretty sure I'm still at no-clue dad stage, but I'm working on it. Yes? Everyone wants to be an awesome husband or awesome wife or awesome at this or awesome. But, you know, you, you don't start awesome. You know, I, I remember talking to my my sister once and, she had a list of the kind of guy that she wanted, and she was about 38 at the time. And, and basically, when I had a look at her list, I said, oh, you want dad? <laughs> you know? Just reality, because most girls have a great dad. They see the qualities of their dad, and they want to see those qualities in a guy. There's nothing wrong with that. The only problem is, as I said to her, dad wasn't like that when they got married. It's taken years and steps, and processes, and good times and bad times for dad to become that kind of a husband. And if he skipped any of the processes, he would have been a, an idiot. And I'm trying to tell you something. If you have a picture of who you want to be, you can't skip processes to get there. Don't let him distract you from the lessons that God is trying you to teach. So what do I do if I... If I want to thrive in the process, if I want to thrive in my root systems, what things should I do? How do I thrive in that? You know, I don't know about you, but the idea of thriving when I'm going through character development and changes in my world 
where my attitudes have been challenged and God is kind to trying to shape me, it's, it, I, I kind of don't look at that and go, oh, hope, oh, I wonder how I can thrive in that, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm the same as this. I'm like, let's get through this as fast as we can, and if I can skip any steps along the way, I just want to get out of here, you know what I mean? It's, it's like when I, when I drive to see my parents in Wanganui, love the drive until you get to the Paraparas, which is like the last hour and a half drive to Wanganui because it's like this all the way. It's only, only 70 kilometers, but it takes you an hour and a half. And I just want to get through the stinking paraparas. I just, I, I, if I could, I'd just, if I, I was able to, I would, I, I wish I had the ability to teleport because I'd just go and just skip the paraparas altogether. But if you want to get to Wanganui, you have to do the paraparas. And if you want to get to where you want to be, you have to do the steps. And so here's some things that I believe that you can do that helps you to thrive while your roots are growing. First thing is this, build the wall in front of you. Build the wall in front of you. In Nehemiah chapter 3, in verse 23 and 24, and in verse 28, it says this, After him, Benjamin and Hassab made repairs opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Manet, whatever his name is, the son of Ananiah, made repairs opposite his house. And beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. And so what was happening here is that the walls of Jerusalem were completely destroyed, and Nehemiah comes back and he decides that that they're going to get everyone together. He feels like God's speaking to him. God's called him to do this. And let's rebuild the walls around our city because when walls are broken down, the city is vulnerable to attack. And so it says, let's rebuild the walls around our city. Now, like any city in Nehemiah's time, like any city, not everybody were builders. Some were jewelry makers. Some were plumbers. Some, it's just amazing that this could be, but let's just pretend that some of them were even electricians. Some may have been used car salesmen. Some could have been farmers. Some could have been early childhood teachers. Some could have been accountants. Some of them could have been lawyers. Some of them could have been all sorts of things, but it wasn't about whether you were skilled to build the wall or not. Nehemiah says, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to walk out the front door of your house, and that bit that's in front of your house, you build that. Oh, but I'm a jewelry maker. Yeah, that's nice. Build the wall in front of your house. It's not not really my thing. Like, I'm kind of like, I kind of like, I like to write lyrics and play my harp and, and sing. That's it's, it's kind of where my heart is. Yep, that's awesome. Get out of the front door of your house and build the wall in front of your house. Build the one that's in front of you. Really simple strategy, yes? Walk out your front door, build the wall. That's not hard, is it? It's not complicated. Sometimes we miss what God is trying to do in our lives because we miss what's right in front of us. We start looking over at Cedric's wall and going, oh, 
I like his wall. His wall's, and look how good a job he's doing. Like mine looks a bit like an, an abomination, but his looks, why can't I build his wall? He's got a really good view at his wall too, and I ain't got a good view at my, no, build the wall that's in front of you. We get distracted sometimes watching other people's assignments, watching what other people's seasons of life. You know, I, I know this as, as a parent, you know, you, you go through the different seasons and it's like, you know, you, you have that season where they're all really nice when they first start off because all they do is eat, sleep and poop, you know, and, and that's really nice. And then they get to that really cool stage where they eat, sleep, poop, and smile, but they stay in the one spot when you put them down. You know, they don't move. So you still have that interaction and that nice stuff with them, but they don't move. And then and then you get to that stage where they start to move, and, and, and then you, you start to not like them so much because you turn your back for five minutes and they're walking on top of the stove. You know what I'm talking about. And then you think to yourself, I can't wait till we get to that stage where they're at school and they can dress themselves and feed themselves and wipe their own bottoms. I mean, it's just like, yes. Because nobody thinks when they're having children, I can't wait till I wipe somebody else's bottom and get poo on my hand. It's just going to be so awesome. And, and, and then when they get to that stage, when you start going through and they're nice when they're five and six, and I don't know about you, but I find boys when they turn about seven, eight or nine just become feral. And, and, and then you kind of can't wait for them to become teenagers and, and then, then, then you start experiencing the teenageness of teenagerism and then you think, oh man, I can't wait till they're in their 20s. And you look at other people and you're like, man, I can't wait till my kids are their age. I can't wait till my kids are... But, you know, everyone has a season. And, and, and what Nehemiah is saying and what I'm trying to say to you this morning, stop. Stop looking at what other people are building. Stop looking at what God's doing in other people's lives. Stop looking at the seasons that they're in and just go, you know what, what, what's in front of me? What wall do I need to build that's in front of me? What is there that's right in front of me? Because you can't thrive in the process until you accept the place where God has put you because where he has put you is where he can do in you what he needs to do in you. He can't do in you what he needs to do in you while you're building Cedric's wall. That's his wall, and God's put that wall in front of him because that's going to develop what he needs in Cedric, and it won't develop in you what God needs to develop in you. And while we're trying to do what other people are doing, we're failing to do the thing that he's put in front of us, and because we're failing to do it, what we do is we don't actually have the process, we don't actually have the root system developed the way it is, and so the fruit that we're believing for becomes like the carrot in front of the horse, because we never ever get there, because we didn't build what was in front of us, so that God could do what he needed to do in us, so that we could go and get the fruit that's in front of us. Are you with me this morning? You see, the problem is usually what's in front of us, if it, if you're like me, doesn't really seem that exciting. You know, when I when I got here early to the church this morning, I had to fold up 150 of those prayer devotionals. It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get to church at 7 o'clock this morning and start folding these. It's going to be awesome. It's like, is there some way I could find somebody else 
because that, that's not, that's just mundane. It's not cool. It's not fun. It's not like you all sit at home thinking, oh man, I, I hope somebody rings me up and asks me to fold some devotional booklets. That'll be like my dream come true. But it teaches you something. The mundane, it does something in you. It, it teaches you. It teaches you because the problem is, is that we don't do those things because they don't look like the promise. They don't, they don't look like the dream we have in our hearts. And, and, and the thing is, if you understand that we're meant to build the wall in front of us, what that requires is commitment, one, and trust that God knows what he's doing, too. And if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us don't trust God to do the process that needs to be done. We think we have a better idea of how we can get to the fruitfulness. It really comes down to a trust issue. Yet when it comes to our kids, we say to them, trust us. If you will do really well at school, you'll be able to have the career you have. Although I find it really hard to say to my kids, trust me. If you do really well at algebra, you will use it again in your life, never. You see, we have to get to a place like this, and, and hear me this morning. We have to get to a place where we say, getting me to my dream is God's job. Building this wall is my job. Getting me to my dream is God's job. Building what is in front of me is my job. That's my job. You see, you have to understand that where you, you didn't get yourself to where you are today. He got you there. He's got you to where you are. If you want to get yourself to where you think you should do, then it becomes reliant on your ability to do it. I don't know about you, but I'd rather God built my life because then the building of my life is dependent on him doing it, and he is limitless. My potential is limited. Faithfulness to build the wall is not giving up on your dream. It's trusting God with your dream. It's trusting him. And I understand that, you know, I'm passionate about my dreams, and, and I'm passionate about the things that I love, and, and, I, and I get that we get passionate about our dream, and we get passionate about the things. But ultimately, friend, we are not called to be passionate about our dream. We're called to be passionate about following Jesus. We're called to be passionate about following Jesus. And then the dream becomes a byproduct of following Jesus. Because when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't say to them, hey man, what's your passion? You know, kind of like, what area do you really feel like serving? He said this, he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, you come follow me, and the byproduct of following me, passionately following me, is you'll become fishers of men. See, every bit of fruitfulness that we have in our lives is the result of following him. It's the byproduct of putting him first. So you have to ask yourself, are you more passionate about pursuing your dream than you are about following Jesus. Because your passion can actually trick you. It can actually trick you into avoiding doing the things that you don't like. 
It can trick you to avoid doing the things that you don't like that just aren't fun but are absolutely vital to get you to where you need to be. Because God develops your life in different settings, in different seasons, in different situations, God develops your life differently. It's amazing how many people disqualify themselves and stunt their growth because they don't build the wall that's in front of them. Listen to a couple of scriptures here. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Uh, I don't really know if I want to do that. No, 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 no. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, you gotta understand. I, I, I'm gifted in other areas. Yeah, 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 that's cool. But whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. If that doesn't convince you because it's Old Testament, how about New Testament? 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. In other words, do it. Just go for it, but do it for His glory. Not for your preference. We're more passionate about our preferences than we are passionate about His purposes. It has to be about following Jesus. Following him, doing what he asks us to do, building the wall that's in front of us. God is trying to grow you right where you are. And we don't always recognize the fact because we don't feel passionate about what it is that God has got us doing in that moment. And because it's harder than we thought or because it's more boring than we thought or because it's taking longer than we thought, we think that we should be somewhere else. But God is saying, Don't let the enemy distract you from your assignment. I'm doing something in you right now that I can't do any other way. And you need to trust me that as much as it is frustrating for you right now, as much as you might find this boring right now, as much as you might find this is taking way too long right now, if I don't do this in you now, I can't produce in you what I have planned later. Please trust me. I know what I'm doing. I told you, I promised you that all things work together for good for those who love God and accord according to his purpose. Is he a good God or is he a bad God? He's a good God. He never intends to do you harm. So you need to get over yourself and realize that he actually knows you better than you know yourself and he knows what he needs to do in you so that he can do something through you that is beyond your wildest dreams because you want Ephesians 3.20 in your life, but what you don't understand is that your potential is limited. His potential is unlimited, but the only way to release the unlimited potential of God is for Him to do in you what He needs to do in you. And if you fight it, it'll never happen. So the second thing is you've got to accept the lessons. I don't know about you, but I hate lessons. Accept the lessons. Don't just recognize what God is asking you to put your hands to, but also what he is going to do in you. What is God going to do in me in this season right now, in this situation right now? What is it that he's trying to do? 
You know, because when we sit back and we complain about the season we're in, we, we're a victim. We become victims. Whereas when we are in a position where we can be vulnerable in our situation and go, okay, God, what are you trying to do here? Then we become winners. Come on. Because we can make the changes we need to change so that we can see the things that we want to see. We've got to recognize that we've, I've learned in my life that sometimes things are harder for God to change in me because I was resisting it the whole entire time. Have you ever had that moment where you feel like you've been battling something for ages and then all of a sudden, in just like a moment, everything clicks into place and you're like, oh, oh, that's what this is all about. Don't you ever wish that you could go back and slap yourself six months early and go, oi! You know what I mean? (laughs) You see, it's far easier to embrace the season you're in when you realize that God has you there for a purpose. It's far easier to embrace what you're going through when you understand that God's trying to grow your roots. You know, I've had to learn faithfulness in the mundane and the difficult, those things that seemed distant from my vision, those things that didn't fuel me, those things that didn't excite me. You know, I went for a period, and Trinity will tell you, of about five or six years where I loved my job, hated my job, loved my job, hated my job, loved my job, hated my job. Why am I in this flipping job? I just want to serve you, Jesus. What's this, what's this teaching me? Oh, teaching me, any? I'll tell you what it was. It was working on my attitude, for starters. Second of all... Second of all, I learned a whole lot of stuff in management in the company that I was in that I bring over into what I do in ministry. Yeah? You've got to trust God. That, see, see, what we want is we want, we want God to have this kind of thing where it's like we start here and then it's step one, two, three, four, five, six. Fruitfulness. This is how God works. Step one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, not, oh, 10, 11, 12, what's that over there? Seven, eight, nine, 10. Uh, uh, and then you, then you start to think, oh man, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. And then it's like, oh, it's so. Cha ching! That's the way he works. See, the question is this, will I be obedient to the assignment in front of me even when my passion for it is not strong? Will I do what's in front of me even when I'm not excited about it? Will I be obedient to it? See, God is the teacher and we are his students. It's just a change in our thought process that we need to have. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, maths wasn't one of my favorite subjects. At school, you know? It's like, you put me in mass? I hate mass. Why would you put me in mass? But we have to come to this place where we understand that God wouldn't have put me in mass if I didn't need to be in mass. God wouldn't put you in the season you're in if you didn't need to be in it. You're right this morning. And see, here's the problem. People get stuck in the process And they don't thrive because they constantly want to be where someone else is before uh, God can do in them, teach in them, and in what they're putting their hands to. And and, and so then 
we, we, we just fail to miss what it is that he's trying to, and if I know anything about God, is that if I don't learn the lesson the first time, he's more than happy to teach it to me the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time. You know, sometimes I feel like my Christian life is she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, and it just keeps going around and around. Yet Proverbs says the way of the righteous winds upwards, and it's almost like you keep them going round and round and round until it's like, oh, that's what you're trying to teach me. And then we go round and round, oh, that's what you're trying to teach me. And we go around, oh, that's what you're trying to teach me. And then we, and we get to the top and we're like, this is awesome. People get stuck. We want God to develop our root system in the middle of our passions when we feel most alive, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. What God looks for in the kingdom of God, the key thing that God looks for that will promote you in the kingdom is faithfulness. Faithfulness. He wants to know if you'll be faithful to him in the mundane. If you're trusting in the seasons you're in. The last and certainly least, and I'm preaching way too long this morning, but the last thing I want to talk to you about is don't rush. Don't rush. If you're going to thrive in a process, then you can't rush the process. If you're going to thrive and get in your roots down deep, then you can't rush it. You can't get out of sync with the seasons that God has put you in. Because if you get out of sync with it, you put yourself in danger. Could you imagine if trees got out of sync of the seasons and tried to produce fruit in seasons that it wasn't possible for it to produce fruit in? Could you imagine if it held on to its leaves in autumn and then when winter comes, those leaves start to rot on the tree instead of the ground? You have to make sure that you're in sync with the season that he has. Otherwise, you put yourself in danger. And every assignment and every lesson he gives you adds another crucial piece to the foundation he's trying to build in you. And if that crucial piece is missing in the foundation, when you try to grow the tree that produces fruit, all that's going to happen is when the weight of the calling, when the weight of what God has planned for you, the vision of your life comes, the problem is this, the foundation won't be able to sustain it. And so you will thrive for a season when God wants fruit that lasts. Rushing growth is a sign that we don't really understand the vision towards which we are growing. When we rush our assignment, I don't think you really understand the magnitude of what it is that God has planned for you. If we could just trust Him, if we could just trust Him to grow our roots, if you could see the incredible weight of what God wants to do and put on your lives, friend, you, you wouldn't rush anything in the lane of that foundation. I had a really cool conversation with Pastor Mark Tobias the other week, and we we're just talking, and I said, remember the interview that you had with me in Trinity before we even became pastors here, and, 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 and he interviewed us, and, and basically... He basically told us, you don't want to go to that church. You're not ready for it. Like, it's going to kill you. He was not being mean to the church. He was just trying to make me realize the realities of what ministry is. 
there's, there's incredible tough times as well as great times. You have to learn to thrive in both seasons. And, um, and, I, and I said to him, yeah, and I can remember sitting there thinking, what's wrong with you? Don't you want us to go there? Like, we're awesome. You should be encouraging us. But I'll never, ever not be grateful for him for that because at least it kind of set me up a little bit to understand some of the hard times that would come, mainly from my own insecurities than anything else. But, you know, if, if, if he hadn't said that to me, man, I would have just entered in with this rose-colored glasses, you know. One of the things I look at with pre-marriage counseling whenever somebody comes to us before they're married for pre-marriage counseling is, is the, you know, the unrealistic expectation syndrome. You know, like, when we get married, we won't fight at all. All our problems will go. Nothing would ever cause me to question my love for my partner. <laughs> when we're finally married, life is just going to be amazing. He's going to smell just fantastic all the time. And when she wakes in the morning, her breath is going to smell like heaven. It's just unrealistic. That's why we call it the honeymoon period. But the thing is, marriage's success is the ability to go through the seasons. The good ones and the tough ones. And thrive in both. You see, you have to understand something, and I, I, I quickly finish this morning. You need to understand something. God feels no pressure to rush or force his plan for our growth. Here's the thing. God, hurry up. Oh, okay, sorry. It's like, it's, you're complaining, you're whinging, you're moaning, you're begging for him to get you through what he's putting you through. He does not sit up in heaven and go, oh, flip, I, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, better, I better speed that up for Andrea's. <laughs> He, you have to understand, it's not that he's been mean, it's that he understands that if, if he's got a picture of this for you, he understands that this has to happen. And, and no matter how much you ask him to shift you to that as quick as you want it to be, he's like, man, I, I gotta, if, if you're going to sustain that, if it's going to be lasting, if it's going to be a blessing to you and not a burden to you, I, ha I have to do this. I have to do this. And here's the thing that I've learned really, really quickly is when I yield myself to him in those situations, it does speed the process. What makes it slow is my resistance. Yeah? Your frustration will not make God speed up. And you know why? Because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to fail. And so he knows if he rushes it up, you will. And so he takes his time. Because he doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to be a, a plant in a garden that produces. He wants your life to be amazing and incredible and phenomenal. He wants your life to be a reflection of him. He wants when people see you, they see Jesus. He wants people when they taste of your life that they taste Jesus. He wants your life to be amazing. He wants people to look at you 
and say, what is it about your life that's so spectacular that in the bad seasons and the good seasons, you just flourish, you just thrive, you just grow, you just... How come you have such a great family? How come you have such a great marriage? How come your career's going so incredibly well? How come your finances just seem to blossom all the time? And, and, and you're going to be able to say, because I understood, I learned. I learned to trust God in the lessons. I learned to build what was in front of me. I learned not to rush the process. I learned to trust God, that God has absolutely the right pathway to get me to where I am. And because I trusted him in that, that's why I'm where I am today. That's why my family is the way it is today. That's why my marriage is thriving. That's why my career is thriving. That's why my business is booming. That's why my finances are going, because I have learned, like Paul, whether I'm in lack or whether I'm in abundance, I've learned how to draw on God's strength in every season and flourish in every single season of my life. And the fruit that you're seeing now is not the thing that's the most amazing thing. The most amazing thing is my root system. You should see my roots. You see, plants can only grow so much. Yeah? If you overwater a plant, what do you do to it? If you overwater a plant, what do you do to it? You kill it. So God understands that He has to take you for a process, and if He overwaters you, He's going to kill you. If He really gave you all the things that you really wanted Him to do right now in this moment, you wouldn't sustain it. It really comes down to trusting Him. Not rushing our growth, because if we rush our growth, we're only going to destroy it. But it's about trusting God to get you there in His time. And I don't know about you, but the frustration of growth is in the moment. I can, I'm just going to, it's a bit of a funny story, but I'm going to share something with you this morning. I can remember when I was 16 years of age, and I was at an evangelistic crusade with a guy called Barry Smith who some of you would have heard about. and He used to go around preaching about end times. I don't even agree with his end times teaching anymore, but back then I didn't really understand it. But basically it was like the doom and gloom of the end is coming. And, and I can remember being 16 years of age. You're going to laugh at me when I say this. I can remember being 16 years of age, going home and praying in my bedroom, God, please don't come back before I'm married. Because I want to have sex one day. That's just the honest truth. Just the honest truth. And I, I remember being consumed with prayers of, don't come back yet. 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 <laughs> don't come back yet. But here's the thing. I, I remember thinking, man, I, I really don't want that to happen before then. And I, and I wonder whether we got to get that kind of mindset in us a little bit of saying, man, I, I really want that, but don't take me there before I'm ready. Don't, don't move me before I'm ready. Don't, don't, don't let me rush process, God. I, I really want that. I, I really want that. Really want to get to that place of fruitfulness in my life. I really, really want that. But rather than saying, please, God, don't come yet, like I was praying as a 16-year-old, we say, God, don't take me there yet if I'm not ready. 
Don't, don't shift me through the processes until I'm ready. I, I yield myself. I, I trust you. I surrender my plan to your process. And I just wonder what would happen if a whole lot of people in this place turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to surrender my plan to his process. I wonder how much fruitfulness would abound, would abound out of this place. You see, the scripture says this, nobody gives up anything that God does not repay 60, 80, or 100 fold. What does that mean? 60 times what you gave up, 80 times what you surrendered, 100 times what you yielded yourself to. God wants to produce an abundance. God wants not just an abundance for now, but forever. God's plan for your life is not conservative. And because his plan for your life is not conservative, the root systems that he needs to grow are not conservative. And we just got to submit our plan to his process and go, you know what? I'm going to thrive. I'm going to have the best darn roots you've ever seen in your life. Understanding that if my become root focus, fruit just becomes an outcome. And if you're here this morning, just while every eye is closed, You know, here's the thing. God doesn't really care what you've done to this point in regards to whether you've resisted Him or stopped Him or whatever. If God's not really interested in where you've been. He's, he's really interested in where you intend to go. You can't change what you've done the last week or the last month or the last five years of your life. But what you can focus on is from this day on, I'm going to grow great roots. I'm going to trust God with the process. I'm going to surrender my plan to his process. I'm not going to rush it. I'm just going to do what's in front of me, and I'm going to do it to the glory of God. Even though I may not like it, even though it may feel mundane, even though it may not feel like it's my passion, you know what, I'm going to do it because I understand something, that if I thrive in the mundane, then I'll thrive in the fruitfulness because I understand that God's doing a work in me in this that he can't do in me anywhere else. And you're here this morning, and you're like, man, I, I, I've done that. I've resisted. I've tried to build other things. I've tried to do all sorts of other things. I, I've tried to rush things. I've tried to, you know what, it's okay. We've all done that. And you know what, we're probably going to do it again in the future because that's just the way that we're wired. We try to take control of our lives, but I feel like this morning God is saying, you know, if you just come to me today and just go, you know what, I'm going to surrender my plan to your process, and I step out of the driver's seat, and I'm just going to be a passenger, and I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you that what you need to do with me is going to see this incredible dream come through. I, I, I'm just going to trust you. I, I decide today that my future is in your hands, that I, I'm going to trust you to bring my dream to pass, and I'm going to do the job that's just in front of me. But Craig, I'd really appreciate it if you could pray for me that I'd have the courage and the fortitude and the yieldness of spirit to submit myself to God in every season that I'm entrusting him that he's going to bring about fruitfulness. But I'd really love it if you could pray with me this morning. Because friend, let's not be... Let's not be um, Let's not be silly this morning. This is a tough process. It's a hard thing to do sometimes. But I'm trying to tell you this morning that God loves you so much and He has so much good planned for you that if you trust Him in this, 
your life will be beyond your wildest dreams. But if you're here today and you're like, man, Craig, can you just pray? Can you pray for me and with me that I'll trust God in this season? That I'll trust God in his process? Then I just love you while every eye is closed. Why don't you just put your hand up